the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. About 90 minutes ago, the sun set, and according to ancient Jewish custom, the new day has begun. So Advent 4 is over, and we are in the midst of the Christmas season. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. The darkness and the cold relatively speaking, that we feel outside is a reminder of that darkness and loneliness that we experience in our hearts and in our minds, the darkness and cold that we are afraid of and that bites at our hearts. It's natural at this time of night to think about those who watch and weep and sleep this night, of those that are alone, those that are doing important tasks, in the cold and the dark, those who are keeping watch, those soldiers who are standing on a fortified wall, those shepherds that are in a flock by night, those people whose job it is to be alone in the dark to protect those who can't protect themselves. It's a recognition of the danger of the cold and darkness that Isaiah is speaking about. He is talking about a dark night and dark times dangerous times, and those are times that we live in. We live in dark and dangerous times when it's easy to be afraid, when it's easy to feel alone, when it's easy to feel outmanned. And Isaiah speaks about the, uh, the hope that we have in the midst of that darkness. He says, the people who walk, walked in darkness have seen a great light. The great light that they see is God's response to the darkness, which is surprising that God's response to the darkness is light. Because our natural response to the darkness, to danger, to cruelty, to violence, is more cruelty and violence. That's our natural response. We get mad, we get scared, and we lash out call names, and we turn to violence. God's response is to humble himself before us, to offer himself as light, to offer himself as love. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. That's the Lord's response to the violence of this world. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. God's response to the boot of war is a child, an innocent, helpless child that he came to be born of a virgin, helpless, in response to the violence and oppression of this world. And he establishes a government. He establishes a government on his shoulders, which is a radical reversal of every other government known to man. Every other government known to man is a government of violence, a government of the tramping boot, of putting people under the boot. God's response in government is to rest it upon his shoulders. What sits upon the shoulders? 
the innocent lamb on the shoulders of the shepherd, the child on the shoulders of a father. God's response in his government is to place us upon his shoulders, to rise us up out of the dirt and out of the mud, and to give us a view that we could not see any other way but to rest upon his shoulders, to see what he sees. The Lord would pick us up out of the dirt and out of the mud and out of the muck and out of the mess, and he would wash us and clean us and put us up so that we could see what's really going on and to see what his real response is, his response of compassion and love, that he would come to us as a child and that he would uphold it with justice and with righteousness. So he fulfills that promise and he's born, as we talked about this morning, as a fulfillment of the promise to King David. He fulfills that promise and he has established this kingdom and this throne forever. And the details of this passage are so remarkable that we have to realize that this is a first-hand account. And you might stop and think, well, how is it that Luke could have a first-hand account? Luke is a member of the 70 who would have only met Jesus around the time of his baptism at the River Jordan as people gathered to see what it was that John the Baptist was doing. But the tradition tells us that Luke immediately goes after the resurrection to the virgin mother and he sits at her feet and he writes and records her firsthand eyewitness testimony of what it is that she saw and experienced. These words are the words of the virgin mother. Her response, her <clears throat> recollection of her experience that night in Bethlehem. And what she tells is she tells us about the manger Three times. Do you think that when she mentions it three times, that might be important? <laughs> Maybe so. It's an interesting choice by our translators to use this Norman word, manger. Because we don't use it. The only time we use it is when we sing, away in a manger. And when we sing about the manger, we think about the beauty and we think about the hope and this baby that we know and this story that we know. But if we go to a farm supply goods store downtown, we're going to find not mangers, but feed boxes and troughs and food bowls. And it's a sign. The angel says it's a sign. What does that mean? Signs are Evidence. It's evidence. Smoke is a sign of fire. It's not a symbol. It's a sign. It's evidence of fire. This is evidence of God's love. That Christ is sitting in a food bowl. He is food. His response to the violence of the world is to offer himself as Food, spiritual food, intellectual food, physical food. He would feed us, and we are hungry. Yes? Hungry for things to fill our minds, hungry for things to feed our souls, hungry for things to feed our bodies. We search and we look for things that would feed us, and God says, I will supply 
every need. There is no other place to go to be fed but to me. And when we are fed in him, our hearts and our minds are transformed so that we are able to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live, as St. Paul says, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. To do that, we need fuel for the fire. We have to be fed. We cannot do that out of hunger. We have to do it out of a fullness of God's grace to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And we have to be trained, trained to be zealous for good works. Isaiah uses the same word, zealous. The zealots were militant Jews, militant Jews whose aim was by violence to remove the oppressors from the Holy Land. Whether they were Babylonians or Egyptians or Romans, the zealots were militants and there were zealots among the disciples. But this zealotry is not a zealotry of the aggressive, violent soldier, but a zealotry for what? For good works. We are being trained to be zealot militants, not for violence, but for love, for good works, for self-control, for love, for hope, to be purified as a people, to do good works. We're going to go out after we're fed into a cold and dark and violent world. We are not victims. We are soldiers who have been trained and fed by God himself to do good works through the power of the divine Christ child. Amen. Amen.